scripture reading today, there are a couple of verses from Zechariah 9, 9 to 13, and 16 to 17, and also 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. Zechariah 9, 9 to 13, 16 to 17, and 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous, and having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, O Zion, against I will rouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. Verse 16 and 17. The Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. And Second Timothy one six to nine. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, His prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. In James 1a, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James has been and continues throughout his letter to be talking about the problem with conflicts and war and he's talking about even the war within us at times. The broader context of our message today and particularly on a, on a July 4th holiday weekend is addressing the question of what does it mean to have peace? And I can give testimony to the fact that a lot of people don't like to hear the word peace. We all want it, but we don't like the connotations around it. Oh, if you talk about peace, you must be against the government. If you talk about peace, 
you must be one of those softies that just believes in loving. Um, some of the connotations that come to mind is that we don't want to be embarrassed by speaking of peace and proclaiming peace. And what we want to address today is is a, a convergence of a beautiful convergence of many themes. All of Scripture is connected, right? All of Scripture has to do with understanding the rest of Scripture. That's the the holistic view. It's it's the only credible view of the Bible. Is is the fact that God intended and inspired the Word. So that all of these streams would come together and converge in a way that makes clear his purpose. So one of the odd things today is, just to name it up front, here we have this historical context of uh, Zechariah. And we have this context of his message about peace. And what we see is that there was a double-mindedness in the children of God going way, way back. And we still struggle with it. In fact, the children of Israel didn't invent double-mindedness. It really was created in the garden. The double-mindedness of, here's something that looks good and that I want, and here's the cost of it, and here's the impact of it. I don't want that. And we're stuck in that being caught between the two. People who are double-minded are usually having opinions and views that are in opposing opposing views with others. And in fact, they will proclaim both this way and that way. And will try to hold on to this and also that. And one of the things that the children of Israel were doing is they not only divided by the northern and southern kingdoms, but they continued to battle even within and with each other. And so God had given them this promised land and they were constantly at at war with each other and in conflict. Then to make it even worse, they got taken over by other nations and hauled into exile. And that is anything but peaceful. It was disruptive for generations for them. We know that we don't care for people who are double-minded. We can see it in others, people who are inconsistent. We don't want people who are double-minded for our employment because they have the capacity to be faithful and also cannot be trusted. And so there are many practical ways that we don't value double-mindedness. But at the same time, we also aren't very good at naming it within ourselves. So you have this, uh, you have this dilemma uh, of, of different s- streams coming in. I don't know if you remember, but Sesame Street had a song. They had many songs, right? And I don't know if you remember this particular song, but it was so catchy. It's one of those songs that 
If you get started on it, you can't get it out of your brain. It just keeps playing. The song was, one of these things is not like the others. One of these things is not the same or just doesn't belong. Can you, can you tell which thing is not like the others by the time that I finish my song? Do you, did you guess which thing was not like the others? Did you guess which thing doesn't belong? If you guess this one is not like the others, then you're absolutely right. And that's the, that's the one version of the way it ends. When you look at the title this morning, does it make sense to you? Bold, fearless, and humble. Which of these things is not like the others? Which of these things is not the same? What is the difference? And this would be a debate, maybe if you have trouble coming up with questions in your Sunday school classes, feel free to, to engage in this. Which one would you say is particularly different? But they all three make sense in terms of what God was trying to teach his people. Uh, and what it was all through the Old Testament and it's all through the New Testament. But let's, let's just put a, I'm going to step to the side here and put a context to this, especially for those of you that are visiting. We are in a three-month series on our core values, Christ, community, and commission, our calling. In other words, uh, so the month of June, we're wrapping up here uh, this Sunday, uh, the focus on Christ. And the reason there's a sequence to this is because most people don't go out and fulfill their calling if they don't have a clearly established foundation in Christ. And most people don't go out and accomplish God's purpose in their lives when they have no sense of community supporting them and encouraging them and blessing them. So the foundation, and to use the example for, for Lincoln this morning, Lincoln Daniel, um, the foundation for Lincoln Daniel is, is going to be establishing and teaching him the nature of God's love for us, the nature of what Christ did for us, the nature of establishing clearly that Christ humbled himself and went to the cross for us. So there was this humility part. At the same time, we also see, and in this next month, we're going to be focusing on community more and, and focusing on the fact that, that we want community in our lives. Some of you uh, may have read the news story recently. There was a plane crash in the Amazon uh, the jungle, I mean, just totally isolated area of, of the Amazon uh, basin. And this plane crashed, killing all three adults on board. And the amazing thing was that there were three, there were, there were four children on board, and they couldn't find them when they finally found the plane crash. And they searched, and they searched, and they searched, do you know how hard it is to make your way around that kind of dense, thick uh, foliage and, and trees? And there are, there are uh, leopards, uh, there are 
uh, what they call, I guess, pumas. There are poisonous snakes, poisonous spiders. The temperature issue is there. And not one week, not two weeks, by the second or third week, the family was beginning to give up hope. And then we find out that after 40 days, just over six weeks, they found all four children alive. 14, nine, four years old. And the one-year-old turned one while they were making their way night after night in the jungle alone by themselves with no adults and very little protection. And one of the things that happened in that story was that the reason they survived was because the oldest, the 14-year-old, had been trained by parents and grandparents how not just to survive in the jungle, but had been trained on what you can eat and not eat in the jungle. And had been trained and equipped on what to drink and, and that kind of thing. But they, they, for six weeks, they ventured in, a, in an area. I mean, the search went square miles by the hundreds. Um, but their actual, their actual distance that they traveled was within about two or so miles, three, two to three miles from the actual plane crash. Their mother survived the plane crash for only four days before she died. And before she died, she told the children, you know, keep, keep battling, keep trying to live and make it until they come and get you. And they did. Now we say, can, and you can see pictures online of the reunion with family that survived, uh, that, that were back at home, and all of that. And we look at that and we say, wow, that's an incredible story. What gets us about that? What is the emotion of that? The emotion of it is that there was a salvation. Yes, there was loss and there was still pain at losing a parent and at, at the, the loss of life. But there was, for these children, the fact that all four survived and were, were not necessarily healthy, but they had been making it. And health-wise, with nurture, they, they're, they're doing well. And, and they're, they're doing it. We love that story, right? Because that is the story of the gospel. It's the story of every aspect of, of scripture. It's the story of finding, locating that which was so dearly loved by God. And he wants nothing more than to reconnect with his children. That's the story that Zechariah was called into to, to do his prophetic work. His time of prophecy and his time of leading the children of Israel was a work of calling them back to reuniting with God. And to reuniting with faithfulness. He was one of the last active prophets. And his time of activity was between 520 and 516 BC. 
He was a prophet and a priest. And he began his prophetic work. And God's people were discouraged. They had powerful opposition that prevented the temple rebuilding had been stalled. And that was discouraging. They just had discouragement after discouragement. And under the circumstances, many people of the children of Israel concluded that, that God simply was, had forgotten them and was not going to help them pursue the best life. And that is typical for us in our brokenness. And this is why this is so important. Because if we don't have a foundation in Christ firmly understanding that what Christ came to do was something we can't do for ourselves. When we understand that, it's critical that we recognize that to have a foundation of faith and to even be able to be in community without constantly fighting and beating each other up, but to love each other as Christ loved is the humility part of laying our lives down so that God can do something with it through Christ. And that message was there for Zechariah and the children of Israel. The rebuilding of the temple came eventually, but it had been stalled because people kept returning to the idolatry. They had picked up some from other countries in exile and some from within their own land. And you know the, the propensity of the children of Israel, even in the time in the desert, oh, Moses was gone too long so we're going to make our own golden idol, golden calf. You know, the, the, the idolatry is, and, and how does that apply to us? Look, when God doesn't act in the timing that we think he should and how he should, we end up, we end up turning to something else. We end up not trusting. The, the church studies and data would say, that people are abandoning the faith in record numbers. Now, that's always a challenge. It's a challenge for the church. It's discouraging to, to congregations, discouraging to leaders. But the reality is that we don't quit proclaiming. Zechariah had a tough, tough period of time to do his prophecy. But we don't get to we don't get to God's purpose in our lives without establishing this foundation the, and, and nurturing faith in each other and in the young people. So we have this importance of embracing the peace of Christ as the means not only of personal strength, but corporate community strength, and also as a means for us to move on to our call. The other themes of Zechariah, just very briefly noting, to complete the permanent removal of people's sin, that was always God's intention, to remove false prophecy and idolatry from the land. Uh, the call, as you could see, the prophecy of the Davidic ruler that would come, that was a reference to and a prophecy for Jesus. The pouring out of God's spirit, resulting in repentance, and the opening of a fountain for the cleansing of sin. So this idea of boldness and being forgiven 
the idea of boldness and the whole concept of being fearless comes from establishing that foundation and renewing our temple, renewing our hearts. So to be bold and fearless and humble, we want to turn to John chapter 14. You know these words. Let's read them uh, starting at verse 33. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Now here's what Jesus says. All this I've spoken to you while I'm with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now that has it all there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Yes, humble yourselves and obey my commands, but then be bold and fearless in proclaiming the truth. That's how these three tie together. They are all a part of God's calling. To be bold, what does that mean? Well, you might think that, I mean, it's amazing. The, the word peace appears over 400 times in scripture. So anybody who thinks that, you know, we shouldn't be talking about peace, um, take it up with God. I mean, come on, it's everywhere in his word. And the way Jesus said it was, I do not give it to you as the world gives. In other words, I give you a, a different kind of a peace, an inner peace, a peace between you and other people, a peace with yourself. All three of those are aspects. There's also this other peace. And somebody, I was talking to somebody recently where we were talking about the sense of the lack of purpose that people have. It's like people feel like it's hopeless. Yeah, that's because, A, if you don't have peace with God, you aren't going to have peace with others. And if you don't have peace with others, you're not going to have peace with yourself. You're just not. And if you don't have peace with yourself, others, or God, your life is going to be a drudgery. Your life is going to feel like there's no direction. Your life is going to feel like there's no purpose in what you are called to do because you don't have a sense of clarity to that calling. And that's what God was calling for. I want clarity of commitment. I want clarity of compassion. I want clarity of your calling to move out. Now, before we get ahead, next month, we'll be talking about the, the calling part. But... For this month, we're going to be staying with community and reflecting on how God is working in us and through us. Not only how we can impact each other, but bless each other. And I just, I want, I want to point out that we are called to be bold and to strengthen our faith. 
Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So there you have the, kind of the relationship between boldness and fearlessness. In 2 Corinthians 3.12, Paul says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. He was very bold. And there's many other passages that talk about this boldness and, um, and boldness of, of our call to, to, be, to do everything we can to reunite. So to think about the joy of those children that got reunited, yes. But guess what? Every single day of our lives, we can do something that is a touch of the same glory by doing something nice for someone else, saying something nice to someone else, being understanding, being flexible. Um, we've talked about, I've talked about this many times, but it's amazing the way people drive. And I have found that it's hard not to change a little bit because when you preach it and teach it, you better be living it. And so I do apologize if I've ever, if, if I've ever cut somebody off. I don't usually do that. But I have grown in my capacity to be patient while driving. I'm not always. Cheryl will be the first one. Cheryl, you can't, you can't tell stories. But in the smallest of ways, we can be agents of reconciling and we practice it best with those that are our family. That's our, this is our training ground. Our community of faith is a training ground for the mission that God's calling us to and having an impact in the world. We've talked about the difference that Lincoln Daniel will make. But I'll tell you, every one of us can make a difference in someone's life. And the glory and the joy of seeing someone find who they are and find their purpose in serving God's kingdom is an amazing, amazing thing. I, um, I wanted to uh, just mention, and I'll close with this, but there was, uh, there's a song that I've listened to many times on, on the radio. And it's a song that, um, that I, um, I, I wasn't sure I really liked it when I first heard it. And it's grown on me. And finally I started thinking about the words and I'm like, wait a minute. And I looked it up and I have the lyrics. It's a song that is by the group Consumed by Fire, First Things First. And it says, All the things that I have held dear, the vanities that whispered in my ear, what would I do if they all disappeared? Riches and fame and all that they could buy, I've come to find that they never satisfy. What would I gain if my soul's the price? I don't want to love like the, what the world loves, I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. I only want you. First things first, I seek your will, not my own 
surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first thing first, to live your truth, to walk your ways. Set my eyes, Lord, I fix my face on you. All my desires reversed to keep the first things first. Our battle is with first ourselves and then with others and then with God's purpose. That's the battle that we face. And it's somewhat in that order of of coming to a right place of understanding God's call for us to be reconcilers with each other, peacemakers spiritually and, and in God's kingdom and reconciling people to God. May that be our aim and may that be our, our mission and may we be committed to building a community of faith that nurtures people in that way. Amen.